Welcome back to Miss Radio. You're about to hear Angelo's interview with Danielle Garland. She is a dual degree student here at Miss in the IPD and MBA programs. Last summer, she worked as a research coordinator at Gathering for Women, a local nonprofit that tries to address the needs of homeless women here in Monterey. And her experience led to some really critical insights, things that I wouldn't have intuited from just looking at this problem of homelessness on its surface. So you're going to learn a lot from this episode of Miss Radio. If you like it, now you have the opportunity to leave a review. We are now on Apple Podcasts. You can find us. Just search for Miss Radio. Please subscribe. You'll get all our new episodes when they're available. And leave us a review. That's how we get to more listeners. That's how the work we're doing with Miss Radio here at Miss and, you know, our amplification of your voices. That's how we reach a wider audience. So please find us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and subscribe. All right, enough housekeeping. Without any further ado, here's Angelo's interview with Danielle Garland. Uh, welcome, and thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, if you could, yeah, where are you from, Danielle? I'm originally from the Boston area, um, born and raised there, and I um, completed my undergraduate in North Carolina. Um, before coming out here to California, so um, been a little bit here. You were a Tar Heel? Uh, not a Tar Heel, oh. um, but uh, went to High Point University and uh, right completed my undergrad in, in journalism. So That's bloody fantastic. Nice. Very cool. And um, what brought you out here? Um, well, I was looking originally at um, graduate programs that really emphasized um, social change and um, looking at it at a perspective um, um, through sustainability as well. Uh, so that's what drew me to MISS and um, both the MBA program and the International Policy and Development program. I thought it was a nice mix of the two uh, worlds. Yeah, a little bit of both worlds there. Uh, and what you can find is, is that also right next to the beach, so that, that alleviates some stress, right? <laughs> that's, that's true, definitely. Um, being from Boston, I love being near the ocean, so um, that was definitely a plus, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> For sure. Okay, quickly here, we're just going to dive right in and discuss. Um, how did you come across this uh, this research endeavor? Um, what brought you to it? I was actually referred by a friend um, who was the previous research coordinator for the project, and she approached me and said, this would be a great opportunity. Um, there Gathering for Women and the Metal Lab are doing some really great work with regards to um, women and housing insecurity, and um, this would be a nice um, sort of internship over the summer for you to get some experience. So um, I was approached that way, and I just um, sort of fell in love with every aspect of the project. Um, my MBA brain is sure with the project management side, um, but also um, the social aspect of um, women helping women, and our team at the Metal Lab was all female. Um, so we had two female research coordinators, um, and all of our graduate research assistants were female as well. Um, so we really had that sort of um, camaraderie of we're women trying to figure out what um, what these women are really need in the community, and that was a really rewarding experience. Wow! Wow! That's I didn't even know that about the Metal Lab that it's 
That's just all comprised of women. That's yeah. Fantastic. So just for this project, um, all of the research assistants were female, um, and that can be a concern sometimes when you are dealing with a vulnerable po vulnerable population. Um, so we could put everyone's mind at ease that you know we were um, we didn't have any ulterior motives or anything of the nature. Certainly, yeah. Going forward, uh, were there any other uh, research concerns personally uh, when you were going into this uh, as far as like the nature of what you'd be researching? Um, I think that some people have this um, misunderstanding that um, individuals who are homeless are maybe erratic or um, might be dangerous in some sort of way. Um, so that's always a lingering thought in, in the back of your head. Um, but we uh, definitely from the get-go uh, made sure that everybody understood, and including um, my fellow research coordinator, Dimple, and myself, that um, these women are just here because they um, are looking to provide better for themselves and not to fear them in any sort of way. They're no different from us. Um, they're just um, unfortunately caught in some circumstances that are um, putting them in a difficult situation. Right, right. And, and I was just talking to uh, Dimple about this, and she showed me like this little chart deal uh, that was displaying that 16% of the women surveyed uh, listed other as their reason of why they're in the predicament that they're in. And that was fascinating to me. And she was like, yeah, immediately. She said, you know, that that's exactly why you can't put people in boxes, mm -hmm. you know, and categorize them. Because no one story is, um, you know, can constitute a certain category. Our lives are not built of categories, even though we may think like that in terms of, you know, creating a database or structure for folks to understand a particular issue. But it, it's really, uh, at least from what I've heard, it's, it's really based upon individual stories, you know, and being able to be open to hearing those individual stories. Um, what kind of stories that did you hear that spoke to you on a personal level? I think that um, I did speak to a lot of women, and, and like you said, everyone's story was, was very different. Um, for the most part, a lot of them touched on subjects of um, estrangement from their family, and that's I'm a really big family person, so um, that touched me in a sort of way, um, listening to these women talk about estrangement from their children, from, from their parents, um, and just the desire to be back in contact with them and to have that relationship. Um, and in some ways, I think that is also um, another challenge to overcome the fact that we might not necessarily, um, we might not necessarily be able to to relate to these women exactly in in their stories because we haven't experienced what they've experienced in some in some way, um, we haven't been maybe for the most part I haven't been homeless so I can't attest to some of the issues that they've talked about, um, but being able to empathize with them and um, being able just to relate on a basic level basic human level is is really important um, especially um, when you're when you're talking to them in, in that respect about about subjects that they are um, that are very touchy for them, right, right, and you see the narrative I think of uh, empathy 
is that it's a natural progression if one has the skill set to have uh, the ability to empathize with other people. Um, it, it creates a straight and narrow way, straight to compassion, you know, straight towards understanding the predicament that folks are in and how best to alleviate that. And sometimes I think that goes outside the scope of public policy and the ways in which, you know, a, a simple hello, you know, will mm-hmm. will do the trick or just saying like, hey, how are you living? You know, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, and like that, you know, um, there's something, you know, with the senses that you get like goosebumps, you know, when you hear someone's story and you're just like, I may have not experienced that, but like when you tell it like that, um, have you ever seen the movie, uh, how was it? Um, Goodwill Hunting? Yes. Okay, so you know that part where they're sitting in the park and um, Robin Williams is telling Matt Damon's character, you know, I, I can't know you if I read a book, you know, on, uh, on uh, f- what was it, Lemony Snicket? No, not Lemony Snicket, but uh, it was oh, uh, Oliver Twist. That's mm-hmm. right. You know, I can't know your life story if I read a book you know um, it's it's when we have these intimate exchanges uh, of conversation that we're able to really understand one another um, but yeah progressing through that were there any on the flip side were there any challenges uh, that you saw when uh, conducting this research I think that it's almost in this in the same vein um, some willing some women weren't willing or open to tell their stories to us um, and for reasons to each their own. Um, maybe they thought we were taking advantage of them or um, um, maybe people have taken advantage of them in the past um, or some people just really like to keep a private life as well. Um, so um, reaching out to those women but also the population of women experiencing homelessness or women who are housing insecure on the Monterey Peninsula is quite hidden. Um, so just finding that population here was, was a difficult challenge for us, um, and reaching out to them as well. Mm. As far as the scope of, uh, of energy and possibly dealing with, you know, negative energy moving forward, were there any days in which you felt discouraged doing the work that you were doing? Or was it something in which, you know, you could collectively pull together as a, as an organization, as collective researchers to, you know, uh, continuing your work? I think it's 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 always discouraging when you um, go out into the field and maybe you only collect one or two surveys um, and uh, just women don't want to approach you or they, um, they don't have the time that day. Um, but in essence, what we were doing over the summer was building trust with these women. Mm-hmm. Um, building trust so that they knew that we were there um, to help them and that we were there to um, really sit and listen to the needs that they had and what what they wanted for the future. Um, one of the most interesting questions I think that we had on the survey was at the very end and it asked um, it asked the women what their hopes or dreams were for the future or what their goals were for the future. So listening to um, Listening to everyone's different response um, to that question was was really heartening in a way to know um, that the the breadth of what they were trying to accomplish, um, 
was just was just so great. Um, but some of it was even little things, um, and that was that was an accomplishment as well. So, that's mm-hmm. that's powerful stuff in the, in the sense that you know when you're able to um, build that trust that you were talking about, you know. I think people have this idea, you know, it's just that it's an idea of a person that they're going to help, but, you know, it it unveils itself when you're actually talking to actual people, just like you and I, you know, we're having this conversation, and it unveils past the idea, you know, like, I think even in our ongoing relationships in life, we find that, you know, we do have these inherently good qualities about us. And that we want to help people, that we want to love people, and even in our intimate relationships, right, where you might fall in love with the idea of a person, but you're not actually like in love with them, you know. And to be in love with the space, with what you're doing your work in, to be in love with the people that you're working with, and you can really start to see actual real change, you know. Um, that's that's groundbreaking, you know. It, it creates a shift of 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 patterns of ways of thought not only within yourself, but for the other individual. Um, so speaking on that, what kind of connections do you see uh, presently that you have made thus far with the work you've done, uh, both in the community um, with folks who are affected by this, and what other connections have you seen uh, with community organizations? Well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it was, it was. Um, so connections within the community as well as connections with organizations with organizations um, and, and what do you see in the future as far as this research uh, helping uh, NGOs do their work I think that this research is is really important um, it sheds light on um, on this relatively hidden population in terms of what they need and and this is coming from them. It's not us saying, well, this is what you need. Um, they're really telling us that, you know, I would like to have access to more laundry. I would like to have access to a vehicle. I would like to have access to X, Y, Z. Um, and one of our future steps for um, this project is going out into the community and asking the community their opinions on um, on homelessness in the county, um, in on Monterey Peninsula. Um, as well, and and just seeing, getting their viewpoint of, of this, so we can look at what we've collected from these women, look at what we've collected from the community, and match it and see where the needs are and and um, what's being misunderstood about the population as well. Right, so how best to fill gaps, essentially. Yes. And like that. So, progressing from, um, you know, the non-governmental organizations here, and there's so many, um, do you see any, uh, you know, connection or partnership uh, with city council, for example, or, or potential uh, public policy uh, measures or, or, or ways in which we can go about it uh, on a political level, locally? I think that there are some relationships that are there, and I think that there are some that could be cultivated more um, right. in terms of city council, in terms of... Um, Monterey, other governmental facilities, as well as um, NGOs. I think there could be more cultivation of partnership between NGOs right. as well. 
It's one of those things where I know talking to a couple uh, guys from the Monterey Bay Economic Partnership uh-huh. to uh, a city council candidate, they've proposed the idea of you know affordable housing units, um, specifically on Garden Road, uh, and how the main uh, technical barrier there is the fact, of course, of the airport and how they're looking to expand. However, it's this interesting situation which I was talking to uh, Matt Huerta of uh, Monterey Bay Economic Partnership, and he was saying, why can't it be a win-win, you know, uh, in which we create a space for, you know, the units to, to occupy themselves. And then, of course, you know, uh, and, you know, by expanding the airport, it's uh, it creates this way in which you're creating more jobs as well. So it's it could be a win-win, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, so to diverge from that, uh, you see homelessness as a wicked problem, right? And mm-hmm. it's one which displays the symptoms, but there's so many other mitigating factors. What have you seen with your research that we can address now uh, in the immediacy of those uh, factors? Well, that's a good question. I think that um, for these women in particular, um, something as simple as um, having uh, clean clothes so they can go to do job interviews, having access to technology, whether it's at the library or other sources, um, just so that they can check social media, they can check for job applications, they can connect with family. Um, I think that that would alleviate some of the smaller problems associated with homelessness. Mm. Um, like you were just saying, um, more access to affordable housing, less less of a wait on that wait list for affordable housing. Um, if we could find a way to, um, to circumvent those problems in a way, I think it would alleviate some of the stress upon these women who are, um, who are trapped in this sort of wicked problem of housing insecurity. Um, But yeah, I think that there's a lot that can be done, um, and it just takes a little bit of creativity on our part um, to um, address some of these problems. And sometimes it's not um, very apparent, but Mm. it's there. You bring up a very important part uh, where I wanted to talk about um, the idea of which you break down the wicked problem in like really small bite-sized chunks and by providing you know clothing by providing access to you know uh, the internet and you know having those uh, affordabilities to, to create you know opportunities for yourself in the job market um, I know there was an instance in where I think it was in San Francisco they had um, a social experiment where they, they asked a bunch of Salons to pull together and to just set aside an afternoon to where they were cutting uh, folks who uh, were homeless, part of the homeless community, and just give them haircuts, you know, make them feel good, and allow them to get like a nice little massage afterwards, clean their hair, get a nice shave, you know, the works. And, and, and like that, like you see the before and you see the after, and it's dramatically, you know, they feel so good about themselves, you know. And it, it displays a certain raw humanity to, like, realize that, uh, I mean, these folks are just like you and I, you know. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, if there's anything that that you would like to expound upon um, as we go in closing and into this this spectacular weekend, it's beautiful outside, you know. Um, please do, yeah, Lina. I think the only thing that, or one of the things I really took out of this is that um, it's just that aspect of compassion, just being kind to people, and and trying to. Um, just think about where they are in their life and, and maybe the circumstances that um, are putting them in, in this sort of position that they, they wouldn't want to be in normally. Um, and, and thinking about that the next time you pass somebody on the street or, um, or, or anything of that nature, I think that um, we, as, we as individuals have can have such a great impact on our um, on our local context, but also globally as well. Um, and I think kindness is is one of the main components to that. Mm. Kill them with kindness, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you hear it, you heard it here, folks. Heard it here first. Uh, Danielle, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And folks, thank you for listening. And stay tuned as we continue. Uh, this podcast on affordable housing and homelessness in the Monterey Bay Peninsula. Thank you again, Danielle, for your words on your research study. I really enjoyed the ability for our conversation to exist outside the academic space with thoughts on how to overcome obstacles in conducting interviews and having a better understanding with women here in the Monterey County. The ability to gain the trust of people is, in my opinion, one of the most essential parts in creating any sort of connection. In closing, I appreciated Ms. Garland's eye-opening experience she had this summer and the ability to build a solid partnership between Ms. and our community here with Gathering for Women and the women who are experiencing homelessness here in Monterey County. I feel like we are developing better protocol by relating to one another and creating bridges that allow for authentic connections. I learned that the homeless don't like to be referred to as homeless. Like this, we as a society can unlearn this notion and come back to the subject as we, to understand we are all part of this human race and that we should help in little ways to uplift one another. Like this, the human spirit will be uplifted and progress onward in a positive trajectory. This is how we tell our stories, and I look forward to hearing your story and how it impacts our local little world we live in. You can like and follow our page on Facebook by typing in Miss Radio. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor.fm. I look forward to the future contributions on this podcast as we finally progress to our last episodes with folks who are directly impacted by affordable housing measures and homelessness here in the Monterey County. This podcast is by no reflection of the university, but purely opinions brought to you by the Miss radio podcast group. Thank you.